Well, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. We're continuing, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. Luke shows Jesus to be the Messiah, the Savior. He indeed is the sacrifice and the substitute for our sins. What we've been seeing, of course, is his death on the cross where he paid for sin. He is indeed the final sacrifice for sin forever. We have seen his death and his burial. And for these last few weeks, what we've been doing is seeing the resurrection appearances of Jesus Christ. And what we've done is we've seen this. We've seen, first of all, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. She was by the tomb. And then we saw the women as they were coming from the tomb. Jesus appeared to them. And then in the passage we're in now, two on the road to Emmaus, they were going from Jerusalem to a little little village uh, that's about seven miles south of Jerusalem. And they were going there and Jesus was with them. They didn't know it was Jesus. He appeared with them, talked with them. And then uh, right at the very end of the passage, last time he revealed that who he was and they saw him and realized who he is. Well, this morning we're going to see Jesus continues to appear. And this time it's to a larger group. And how do they respond? And what do they think? And what does he say to them? Realize they they just didn't know exactly what to expect because they've they've had people say that we 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 saw him. They've said people went out to the tomb and it was empty. They've seen all of these things. They're not knowing what exactly to expect. Well, this morning we're going to see two things. First of all, Jesus appears, and then Jesus gives his commission to them. And you know, when you study the Bible at the very end of Matthew and at the end of Mark and at the end of Luke and at the end of John and the beginning of Acts are what we call the commissions. There's a great commission found in Matthew 28, uh, 28, 18 through 20, and then in Mark chapter 16, Luke 24, where we are in this passage, and of course the Gospel of John in chapter 21, and then even Acts chapter 1, five places in which Jesus gives the commission. We'll see one of those today. We want to <coughs> look at it a little bit in detail because there's a word in there that sometimes gives people uh, a little bit of confusion, but we'll see that as we go through it. We want to be comforted and challenged as we go through our passage this morning. What did the Old Testament say about the Messiah? What, what was the message? Well, you can go all the way back to the book of Genesis and think about what it says. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God made a promise to both Adam and Eve that the seed of woman would crush the head of the serpent, that God would send a Savior and a, a Messiah through the seed of woman who would crush the Satan and, and deal with sin. And then a little bit later in Genesis chapter 12, he comes to Abraham and says the seed of Abraham, that, that a descendant of Abraham will bring blessing to the entire world. Of course, that's salvation through the Messiah. And then if you go later to 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 17, a promise is made to King David that he would have a son who would sit on the throne of Israel forever as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, of course, that's the Messiah Christ. And so you keep looking, and Isaiah 53 said that there would be the suffering servant who would take the sins of the world. And Psalm 16 says he would be the one who would rise from the dead. So the Old Testament talked a lot about the Messiah and about the Savior. This morning, as we continue our study of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus teaches. He takes the believers. He's in a room with a number of people and he teaches them the message of what the Old Testament talked about, the Messiah. It all goes back to the death and resurrection. The Bible actually says that he opened their minds to the Scriptures and taught them. So he taught them about how he would die and rise again, how he would pay for sin, how he would conquer death, and there's a lot of things there. We're going to also see the commission in this passage. He says, go to all the nations with the good news message. So the goal is to be challenged from this passage. Well, let's begin. And we are seeing the resurrection appearances of Jesus Christ. He appeared to Mary Magdalene at the tomb. He appeared to the women coming from the tomb. And now these two men on the road to Emmaus. Now, what we don't understand is when we actually get into our passage this morning, we're going to find that he's already appeared to Peter as well. And so we'll see it as we go through it. Now, when Jesus was with these people, they were walking on the road to Emmaus. Jesus just joins them. He, and he didn't say anything to them. And he's fixed it where they don't recognize 
recognized him. And as he's walking, he's asking why, what they're talking about. And they stop, and they're real sad. And they said, what are we talking about? Are you the only one around here that doesn't know what's happened about Jesus of Nazareth? And Jesus said, what are you talking about? And he tells, tells them, basically, they tell Jesus that they thought he was the Messiah, that they'd seen him being arrested and crucified, and they thought he would be the one to deliver Israel. And so it was a very powerful passage. And what he did then is he taught them the scripture on that road. And later on, they said this. If you look at verse 32 of chapter 24, they said, they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? When they realized it was Jesus, they now go back and go, wow, when that guy was teaching us on the road, we didn't realize who it was. It was the Messiah. It was Jesus. What are they going to do? What's their plan? You know what they're going to do? They want to go back to Jerusalem. They want to go back to seven miles and tell people, hey, we've seen the Christ. We've seen Jesus risen from the dead and that he is alive and is true. And we're going to see how that happens. And they go back and we'll see when they go back and get with the people, Jesus comes again. And what do they think and what does Jesus say? There's a lot here. Let me, let me break down the passage for you. Let's just look at it this way. Uh, we're going to see the report at Jerusalem. They get back. Peter has already seen Jesus. He tells them that. That's verse 33 and 34. Then the disciples give their report in verse 35. Then Jesus appears right there and the disciples are frightened. But Jesus makes sure they understand that he is real. And then as we keep going... Uh, Jesus reminds them of the past ministry, what he did, what the Old Testament said he was going to do and what he did, and then he gives the future commission. And so there's some powerful things there. Well, let's begin. Jesus has been walking with these two disciples. They're going to the small village of Emmaus. He taught them great truth. Look at verse 26. Here's what he said. He taught them this. He says, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? He taught them that the Messiah was supposed to die, the Messiah was supposed to suffer, and then rise from the dead. That would be to enter into his glory. He taught them the death and resurrection of the Messiah. See, they didn't grasp it. They thought Jesus was the Messiah, but then they saw him die, and they thought if he's the Messiah, why did he die? Jesus is teaching them, well, the Messiah is supposed to die. He's going to die and then rise from the dead. Look at verse 27. Then beginning with Moses, that's the first five books of the Old Testament, and with all of the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the Scripture. Now, that is the greatest teacher teaching the Bible about himself. Can you imagine? Wouldn't you love to have been there to hear Jesus take the Bible and go, okay, let me, let me go through this with you. Now, see, in Genesis 3, 15, that's the Messiah right there. Now, I want you to go up Genesis 12. That's the Messiah right there. See this Exodus part? That's the Messiah right there. See this Deuteronomy? That's the Messiah right there. See, see this man named Melchizedek? Don't worry about him, but let me tell you, he's a, I mean, he would take you all the way through the whole Bible. Couldn't you imagine being there? And Jesus teaching the Scripture. And they didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah, but they knew this man knew the Bible and was putting together the whole Old Testament talking about the Messiah. Wouldn't you have loved to hear Jesus teach that? I mean, we love, you know, the Bible. We love to study. We love people to teach it. We love to be taught. I mean, we all love this. Wouldn't it have been great to hear Jesus Christ teach the Bible and teach through it? Now, one day we're going to be with him and we can go up to him and say, hey, Teach the Bible. We'd love to hear you go over some of this stuff we never put together that we never got. Well, when Jesus taught that, they, 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 it was amazing. They kept walking, and then they got to their place where they were going to stay. And Jesus was actually acting as if he was going to keep going. And they said, hey, stay with us. Stay with us. It's already dark. The day is just about over. Why don't you get with us? And so they sat down to eat, and we saw last time something really unique happened. Because they're staying at, at one of these two guys' houses, but when they get ready to eat, Jesus... Leads the meal. 
He's in charge. He breaks the bread and gives it to them. Now, if you go to somebody else's house, you're not the one hosting. But Jesus is the one hosting. And it said that when he broke that bread, all of a sudden, they recognized him. And he vanished. In fact, the Greek word means he became invisible. He disappeared right there. And they realized who it was. They saw him. They saw him as the Messiah. They saw probably the scars when he handed him the bread. And they went, that's Jesus. And he went, yeah, and disappeared. That's what he did. And notice it says, verse 31, their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Well, what would you do? Let me tell you, you, here's what you know so far. You know that Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. You know that he died. You know that some people, some women had gone out to the tomb earlier that morning and said that the body was gone and that some angels told them that he had risen from the dead. That's all you know. You are sad. You're thinking it's all over. You've come there. You've met this man, this man who taught you the Bible. And then all of a sudden you realize that this man is Jesus and he is alive. What would you do? You've got to tell somebody. I mean, you've got to, you, you, you got to say, listen, listen, we've we got to get back to Jerusalem and tell everybody there that he really is alive. Because as far as they knew, nobody else knew this. And so they're going to go back. Now, let me tell you, you normally did not travel at night. See, the day is already over. Most of the time, people didn't travel at night because it was, of course, really dark. Things weren't lit. There were robbers. Usually, you waited till daybreak day, at day, and you usually traveled in pairs and groups so that you'd be safe. But these guys say, listen, we've got to get back. We've got to tell people that Jesus is alive. And so they're going to make their way back. In fact, notice verse 33. It says, they got up that very hour right then and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them. They're so excited, they got to get back. Let me tell you, there's a great truth for us. We, We should be wanting to tell people about Jesus Christ. We should be wanting to tell people that Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again and gives eternal life. That he is a living Savior. That this is true. We should be excited about that. We get to tell people about Christ. Now, we gather together on Sunday mornings to worship Jesus Christ, to be trained and equipped, but then we scatter. We scatter in this community. And we're supposed to take the message of Christ. And we, we should be excited about it. I know it. For, for some of you, you have heard the truth of Jesus all of your life. You heard that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross, that He paid for your sins, that He rose again, that He's the Savior. And sometimes if we've heard that for a long time we begin to sort of take it for granted. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a great message. If somebody said to you, is that the great message? You told us the greatest message ever. And somebody might say to you, well, why don't you tell anybody? I don't know. What we need to be doing is telling people about Jesus Christ. We need to be excited about telling people about Jesus Christ. See, we got the message. It's called the gospel. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, he says, I deliver to you a first importance which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried and rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the message, the death and resurrection of Christ. He died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. And we want people to believe in him. We want people to trust in him because whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's that simple. We get to do that. We want to tell the good news. Well, they get all excited, and they go all the way back in the dark. And when they get back, who, here do they find? Look at verse 33. They got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them. Now, who are the eleven? That's the apostles. That's Peter and James and John. And they're, they're all there. The eleven have gathered together. 
and some others with them. That could be some of the women. It could be some other believers, some of the other disciples, whoever it is. They find them gathered. Now, you would expect this. If you were those two guys, you would go, excuse us. Hey, hey, everybody be quiet. We've got something to tell you. We just saw Jesus. That's what you expect to happen. Because you can hardly wait to get there and tell them. But when you get there, they're talking about something. What are they talking about? Notice the verse. It says, And he got up that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, and found gathered together the eleven, and those who were with him, saying, The eleven and those gathered together were saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. When they got there, instead of them getting to say, We just saw Jesus, they get there and they say, Jesus is really alive. He's really risen. Peter saw him. You ever thought about this? Out of all the apostles... Jesus appeared to Peter first. Wonder why? Never thought about it? Well, who denied him? The one that needed to see him the most saw him first. You think about it, we're going to look at it next week. We're going to go to John 21 briefly next week, and we're going to see Jesus sits down with Peter and three times says, Do you love me? And he wants Peter to say, Lord, you know I love you. Because see, he does it three times because three times Peter denied Jesus. And he wants now three times for Peter to say, I love you. So he appears to Peter. In fact, when they get there, they say, have we got some news to tell you? And they say, just wait a minute. I want you to understand Jesus is alive. He's really risen. uh, Peter already saw him. You can see him going, oh, we saw him too, you know. It's amazing. They're going to be so excited. They said, the Lord has really risen, as if you could be unreally risen, you know. He's really risen. Either he has or he hadn't. The Lord has really risen, and he has appeared to Peter. They were so excited. Do you realize this is four times now? He appeared to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to the women. He's appeared to Peter, and now he's appeared to these two. But notice what the two do. They begin to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. You can see these two say, well, listen, he, so Peter saw him, but let me tell you, we saw him too. See, we were walking down the road and we didn't know it was Jesus. I don't know why, but we couldn't recognize him when we talked to him. And he taught us the whole Bible. He taught us the whole Bible all the way through and showed us where the Messiah fit. And then when we got ready to eat, he broke bread and we could see the scars and we realized, and all of a sudden we looked up and it was him and then he disappeared. They said that. You know this is real. You understand that what we're talking about, that Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again? And that it is real? And we should be excited about this, right? Because, see, I was at the ball game last night, and I, I love our sports. And, you know, every time we'd score, people are jumping and hitting and screaming and high-fiving and knocking over drinks and everything. You know, they're just having so much fun. Should we be excited about Jesus Christ? And excited the fact that he died on the cross and paid for sin and rose again and that he's alive? I mean, I love it all. I love to be excited about everything, but we've got to be excited about this. These people that came back said, we made a seven-mile trip just to tell you this. Sometimes we won't walk next door to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. We need to be excited. And, and he says, they begin to relate their experiences on the road, how, they, how he was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. Jesus is alive. By the way, this changes everything, doesn't it not? 
Jesus is risen again. He is the Savior. He is God. The sins are paid for. There is forgiveness. Death is conquered. See, that's the key to me. Jesus died on the cross to pay for sins, and he rose again conquering death. We should be excited. This changes everything. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, he got nothing. We have nothing. But he did rise from the grave, and it changed everything. Now, from this, here these people, they've been talking about, we saw the, Peter saw the Lord, we saw the Lord, this is great. We're going to see another appearance of Jesus. And look what happens, verse 36. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst. He stood right there. Listen, it's so amazing. Listen, he's God. People talk about what kind of body did he have? Did he go through the wall? Listen, he's God. He can be anywhere, anytime, anyplace he wants to be. And can you imagine, what if we were all just standing here talking like this, and suddenly he appeared right there, just appeared? What would you think? They're in this room, and they're all talking. Well, Peter saw him. Well, I saw We talked to him. And all of a sudden, there he is. There he is. He's alive. He's alive. By the way, he's always with you. You know, people say things like, I wish Jesus were with me. I wish I could see Jesus. Well, the Bible says that the moment you believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, he comes to live inside of you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He'll never leave you or forsake you, which you fear. He's always there. In fact, the Bible says, if I could go to the deepest place in the ocean, he's there. If I go to the highest place, he's there. Wherever, he, wherever I go, whatever I think, he is right there with me. He'll never leave you or forsake you. You don't have to ever be afraid. And there he is. He's standing in their midst. Look at the response. But they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a spirit. Literally it says they were being terrified. That's how they felt. All of a sudden they look and they go, oh my gracious, what in the world? What's going on? Is this Jesus? They thought they were seeing some kind of spirit. In fact, the old term might be they thought they were seeing a ghost. See, they thought they were, maybe it was just some form that wasn't really a human body or anything. It was like you might go up and, you know, put your hand there. Is it really Jesus? Is it really a person? What is this? And they were terrified. See, one of the issues that people sometimes talk about is that will you actually have a body? Like when, when you come back from the dead, when you're raised from the dead, are you going to actually have a real body? The answer is yes, you'll have a body. It's called a glorified body. It's a body that will never decay. Resurrection is always of the body. The soul's not resurrected. The soul goes on and on and on. The soul, it's the body that dies and is raised. When a human being dies, their body goes into the ground and their soul and spirit, talking about believers, go to be with the Lord. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be where? Present with the Lord. And when Jesus Christ comes back in the clouds, that soul and spirit of that person's coming and their body, which is in the grave, the body, Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. That body is going to be raised up and changed into a body that will never decay. It's called a glorified body. If we are alive when Jesus comes back, dead in Christ rise first, we who are alive and remain will be changed just like that. And we'll meet him in there. And we'll have a body that will never wear out. So when we talk about resurrection, we're talking about a body that will go on for all eternity. Not some spirit ghost thing floating around. We're talking about a body. You will live on this earth for a thousand years in a kingdom. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 7. And then he'll make a new heavens and a new earth. And you will live for all eternity in the new heavens and the new earth. That's those who know Jesus Christ as Savior. Those who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior will live for all eternity separated from God. In fact, the better way to say is you will die for all eternity separated from God because it's called the second death. 
It's powerful. He's got a body. They were startled and frightened. They thought they were seeing some kind of ghost, some kind of spirit. It's a resurrected body. And he asked two questions. He wants them to understand what's going on. So he raises two questions to them. Look what he says. Why are you troubled and why do you doubt? Look what he says in verse 38. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your heart? Why are you so troubled? Why are you bothered by seeing me? Didn't you expect to see me? Why are you doubting? I told you over and over. He told them over and over he was going to die and rise again. They should have said, we're expecting you. We knew you were coming. When they went out to the tomb, they weren't going out to the tomb to expect to see a risen Savior. They were going out to the tomb to anoint the body. They were going out to the tomb to say, who got, who moved the body? Who stole the body? Jesus said, you should be saying, we've been expecting you because I told you I was going to die and rise again. Why do you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? And then look what he does. He says, see my hands and my feet? See that as I myself? Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. He wants them to realize. He says, come here, look, look, look. See my hands? See my feet? Why is he showing hands and feet? Because couldn't he say, see my arm? See my head? No, he's saying hands and feet. Why? Because that's where the scars are. He wants them to say, this is me. See the scar? See the scars? This is me. I'm alive. They walked with him. They ate with him. They talked with him. They watched him do ministry. They were with him. They watched him be arrested. They watched him be arrested and and tried. They watched him be crucified. They watched him be killed. They watched him be put in the tomb. And now they are seeing him alive. He says, here, here, uh, touch me. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And notice it says, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. Now, how do they respond to this? It's so amazing. You ever had something happen that was just so good, so amazing? You go, I just can't, I can't believe it. It's so good. I can't believe it. It's not that you don't believe it happened. You're just saying it's just beyond. It's just amazing. Look what happened. While they still could not, verse 41, while they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement. He said to them, have you anything here to eat? They were just overgrown with joy. They were just, oh, it was just amazing. It's almost too good to be true. This is real. There he is. It'd be like, can you believe this? You go, can you believe this? I can't believe this. Can you believe this? That's what they're saying. Because there he is. So what does he do? He says, I don't think they got it yet. So I'll show them I'm real. And he said, have you anything here to eat? Well, because he wants them to realize, I'm a real person. I'm a real body. Give me some food. I will eat it right in front of you so you can realize that I'm real. They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it before them. He wants them to realize he's real. Now, where is Jesus right now? We know that he is in, within every one of us. To Christ in you, the hope of glory. We know that he is everywhere because he's omnipresent because he's God. But the Bible also tells us that right now he is seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father making intercession for us. That's where he is. In a body. A body like you will have one day that will last forever. Now what Jesus does, and we'll go quickly through this, he does two things. He reminds them of his past ministry, what he has done, 
And then he's going to give them the future commission, what they are to do. Look what he reminds them of of what he has done. Verse 44. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He says, This is what I already told you. This is what I spoke to you when I was still with you. Because it's going to be different now. He's not going to be with them in the same way. He's not going to walk around with them. He's not going to have this three and a half year ministry anymore. He's going to be at the right hand of the Father. He said, These are the things I taught you when I was with you. All the things that were written about me. Jesus is saying all the things were written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Sometimes the Old Testament was divided into two parts, the law and the prophets, and sometimes it was divided into three parts, the law and the, uh, the prophets and the Psalms. He says, all the things written about me had to be fulfilled. All those things that were written. And think about it. Uh, I think the next slide, this is his past ministry. He talked about, about the law and the Torah and the whole part of the law. talked to, about the Genesis 3.15 and the seed of woman and the seed of Abraham and the, all of those things. And Deuteronomy talked about the, the uh, great prophet who's going to come. The prophets, Isaiah 53, he is the one who is going to take the sin of mankind. In fact, there are five passages in the book of Isaiah called the suffering servant passages, which all deals with Christ. The Psalm, Psalm 16. talked about Jesus rising from the dead. And so he said, didn't all of the things in the the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, they had to be fulfilled. Now notice what he does, and this is powerful. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. He helped them to understand the Scriptures. He illuminated their minds. Now let me tell you something. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of all of us who know Christ as Savior, He illuminates the Scripture. That's why when you're studying the Bible in God's power, the Holy Spirit, you'll read something you'll go, Whoa! That's the first time I ever saw that. Now, oh, I see how these two things fit together. No wonder this Joshua 7 passage fits with this passage. Because the Holy Spirit illuminates the Scripture for you so you can put it together. Jesus, for them opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. And what did he do? He taught them this great truth, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. That's the gospel message. That was all throughout the Old Testament. The Messiah is going to die and rise again. That's what we call the gospel message today. Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. That's the plan. He said this was the plan that had to happen. He died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. That's what they've seen. They only got the first part. They saw him die. Now he's alive, and they're going, I guess so. Death, resurrection. We're putting it together. That's what he's teaching them. They saw him die at his death. They saw him alive. That's his resurrection. This is the good news. Now from this, he's going to give the future commission. Watch what it is. Verse 47. He says, And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Now, that's the message. He's supposed to go out with this message, a message of repentance. We'll talk about what that means in just a second. So that people would have forgiveness of sins. It would be proclaiming his name to all the nations, and they were going to start at Jerusalem. Well, here's the confusion. Sometimes the word repentance literally means a change of mind. It means to change your mind. But they're going to go out with a message telling people to change their mind about Jesus Christ, to change their minds about what they're believing. See, to the Jewish people, when these people went out after Jesus died and rose again and ascended back into heaven, they're going to go with a message to tell the Jewish people that you saw Jesus as a criminal... 
that Jesus is actually the Son of God who died and rose again and gives eternal life. You need to change your mind of what you thought about Jesus. That's what they did. The same thing for us. Except one of the things we need to change our mind about is whatever we're trusting. Because some of us, or many of us, we were trusting. Before we came to know Jesus Christ as Savior, we were trusting in our good works. We were trusting in going to church. We were trusting in something that we were doing. We had to change our mind and trust in Jesus and Him alone for eternal life. Repentance doesn't mean turn from sin. You may have been taught that all your life. It does not mean that. It means a change of mind. It's two Greek words put together. Metaneia is the Greek word for repent. Meta means after. Neos means mind. It means an aftermind or an afterthought or a change of mind. And so in the scripture he says that we want to go out with a change of mind for forgiveness of sins. When people change their mind about Jesus and believe in him, they have the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins comes simply by faith. In fact, if you remember the verses, Acts 10.43 and Acts 13.38, whenever a person believes in Jesus Christ, when they change their mind about whatever they're trusting and they trust in Christ, they receive the forgiveness of sins. It is that simple. Now, let me show you something that's amazing. It said that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name. The message is about Jesus. It's not about a church. It's not about a denomination. It's not about a ministry. It is about Jesus Christ. We are going into this world telling people about Jesus Christ who died and rose again. And whoever believes in him, they change their mind and trust in Jesus. They have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. It will be proclaimed in his name. Notice, to all the nations. When you study the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you realize is this, that in most of the ministry that Jesus dealt with, he would send his men to the nation of Israel. He came as the Messiah of Israel. He came as the King of the Jews. At the very end, after he dies and rises again, he now sends them not just to Israel, but to all the nations. Notice what it says, that in his name, to all the nations. We get to proclaim the message of salvation of Jesus Christ to all people. Not just some, but to all. He says, the beginning from Jerusalem is where he says they're going to start from. And that's exactly right. We're going to see it in a couple of weeks. Acts chapter 1. He says, you shall be my witnesses. Uh, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the world. They started in Jerusalem. That's exactly where they started. They started where they lived. Where do we start? We start where we live. Let me tell you something I've been thinking about. You know, sometimes people come up and they say, you know, I think I want to be a missionary. I think I want to go to India. I think I want to go to Africa. I think I want to go to China. I think I want to go to Eastern Europe. I want to go and tell people about Jesus. Here's the question you should ask them. Before you go, are you telling people about Jesus here If you're not telling them about Jesus here, why do you think you're going to tell them about Jesus there? So when a person comes to you and says, I'd like for you to support me, I'd like to go to China, or I'd like to go to Eastern Europe and share my faith, my question is, are you sharing your faith here? Because if you're not sharing it here, you're not going to share it there. We begin where we are. Your next door neighbor, your family, your friends... This community, this is where we start. That's where he told them to start, beginning in Jerusalem. That's where they lived. That's where their ministry is basically starting from. We start where we are. 
Notice verse 48. He says, you are witnesses of these things. They are witnesses. They have seen it all. Now, I've got a great quote. Look at this quote from Warren Wiersbe. It says, being a witness for Christ is not something we do, but something God does through us. He takes our lives and uses us for his glory to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. Now, I'll end with verse 49. We're going to come back to this one in a couple of weeks because it's just so deep in there. I just want to touch on it. He says, Behold, I'm sending you forth the promise of my Father upon you. You're to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. He says, You do not go out and do this ministry until you get the power of the Holy Spirit. In that day, we're going to see it in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came on those believers, and they got the Holy Spirit, and from that point on, they had the power to witness for Christ. When we believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, the moment you trust Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, and you have the power to witness for Christ. That's the key. It must be the power of Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. Well, what have we seen? We've seen two were on the road that met with Jesus. They saw him, and they want to come all the way back to Jerusalem and tell him what they've seen. When they get back, they find out Peter's already seen Jesus, and Jesus appeared in their midst. They were afraid when it happened. Jesus showed them that he was real. He reminded them how he fulfilled the Old Testament promises of the Messiah, and he gave them the commission, the commission to proclaim forgiveness in his name, to proclaim eternal life, a change of mind to whoever would believe in him. And he told them to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Very powerful truths. Let me give you some applications, and then we'll close. First of all, rejoice that we have a risen Savior. That's who we have. Get excited about it. We should be excited the fact that Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. We have a risen Savior. A, understand Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies. That's what he did. He is the one who was the seed of woman, the seed of Abraham, uh, the son of David, the Lamb of God, the one bruised and crushed and wounded. He is the one. B, he suffered Taking our sin. Isaiah 53. He was bruised and wounded and crushed for us. See, he rose again. Psalm 16.10. God would not allow him to see corruption. He rose from the dead. We have a risen Savior. We need to be excited about it. I mean, think about it. This is for real. Jesus died and rose again. Now, here's what we do then. Let's tell the good news to other people. Let's tell them about Jesus Christ. Hey, we, get to, we have this commission We have a commission to go to all the nations, all the people to make known that Jesus Christ is the Savior. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to do this. So we get to proclaim, number B, we get to proclaim the gospel. The gospel is the death and resurrection of Christ. By the way, it is that simple. It is that simple. Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. That's the gospel message. That's 1 Corinthians 15. That's the good news message you tell people. Now, the response to the gospel is faith. You want people to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. You want them to trust in Him for eternal life. Trust in Him for forgiveness of sins, as He says in the Gospel of Luke. It is that simple. See, all who believe have eternal life and forgiveness of sins. It's not by our works. It is simply by faith. May we rejoice in our risen Savior. May we proclaim to this world the good news message of Jesus Christ, how he died and rose again, and all who believe in him will have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these great truths, Lord. Help us as we as we look at this, as we re- rejoice in the fact that we have a risen Savior, that Jesus died and rose again, giving eternal life to all who, be- who believe. Lord, would you use us to take the good news message to this community, beginning right where we are now, and, and then spreading it out throughout the world. Lord, use us for your glory. Thank you for these great truths. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.